Welcome to Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. What does it take to lead yourself and your teams to high performance with ease? Today, you'll discover simple practices that separate exceptional leaders from the rest. Now, here is your host, Nicole Bendeley. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Leading on Purpose. I'm Nicole Bendeley, and and I'm really excited to jump into this conversation with my, my guest, Chris Littlefield, who I'll introduce in a minute. Um, in today's episode, we're focusing our attention on helping you to have far more meaningful conversations with your team members and your colleagues. Conversations that build authentic connections, strengthen trust, and build a culture of appreciation. And this is so timely because as I'm sure you can attest to, these are difficult times. People are feeling disconnected. People are feeling overwhelmed, undervalued, underappreciated, and are really struggling with this sense of, you know, Zoom fatigue or digital fatigue and overwhelm, and are craving a sense of community right now. And so, the way in which we create community together um, through conversation and appreciation is, is really important right now. So I'm excited to introduce you to my guest, Chris Littlefield, who is going to help us explore how we can strengthen our community out through conversation. So Chris is an international speaker as well as a TEDx speaker, Forbes and Harvard Business Review contributor and founder of Beyond Thank You. And I'm really excited to learn more about Beyond Thank You. As an expert in employee appreciation, recognition, and workplace culture, Chris has trained thousands of leaders across six continents at organizations like Accenture, Boston Medical, Salesforce, Reserve Bank of Australia, U.S. Army, the United Nations, and more. His work has been featured in Forbes, New York, Mindful, and British Psychologist magazines, and profiled in in Harvard Business Review. Chris is also the author of the new book, 75 Plus Team Building Activities for Remote Teams, Simple Ways to Build Trust, Strengthen Communication, and Laugh Together from Afar. Awesome. I actually just ordered that book, Chris. So welcome. (laughs) I'm glad. Welcome. Happy to be here, Nicole. Honored to be here. Thank you. And and you're joining us from where, Chris? I am in Santiago, Chile, although you'd probably never know it, but that's the beauty. It's funny because working as a speaker for years, I spent the majority of my time on planes traveling to and from. And so when I would go to a speaking engagement, literally, if I was going to be speaking for an hour, it would almost have to be a week trip to justify because I'm on the other side of the planet. So if I was going to the US, to the Middle East, to Australia, it means I'm getting on a plane, minimum have an eight hour flight to somewhere else, transfer to another plane, check into a hotel, go there, meet the organizers and do that. And now, you know what, here I am, I walk into my office, and I turn on the computer and I connect which is great, but it also means I don't get that opportunity to disconnect after I speak. Because as soon as I'm over, my wife's like, here's our four-year-old. I know. (laughs) (laughs) And there's no mental transition. It's just like, deal with it right now, you know? It is very, very true. It is very true. I was nodding that whole time, like, yep, yep, yep. Um, So I love the fact that we can do this. You're in 
in Chile. I'm in Toronto and, you know, we're here chatting. So thank you. Thank you for joining. So I want to start. I really want to understand. Tell me a little bit about or tell all of us about Beyond Thank You. I just love the name of your organization. So tell us a little bit about it. Thanks. So it it was up until January of this year. I actually probably November last year, I'd wanted to use this name and it was going to be the name of my, my next book. And it's the book that I've been, I've been writing for 10 years. I'm sure you can relate to that. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's been sitting there and I've always wanted to call it beyond thank you, but my company name has been acknowledgement works up until this, up until January of this year, when all of a sudden the domain became available. And so I got that. And the reason why I was always beyond thank you was many times I often, when people find me, they find me because they're looking to take their employee appreciation or their employee recognition program to the next level. They're looking at it. And so people often search for me and find me through employee recognition. But I'm guessing you understand this well. It has very little to do about recognition and about what we say. It's why are we taking these efforts? And it's really to ensure that people feel valued. And it's more than just saying thank you. It's about creating an environment, a culture, an environment building and maintaining that environment where people feel valued every day and feeling valued is the result of a lot of different actions over time that nurture that employee experience and that employee experience results in that employee engagement that so many organizations are looking to get. So employee engagement is a, is a result or a status we maintain. Employee experience creates that mm-hmm. status. And recognition in all of its different forms, which I'm sure we'll get into today, are the things that create the environment and enhance that employee experience. Awesome. I love that. So, so tell me then, how did you, well, tell me first, let me backtrack. What is your purpose? I'm, I'm assuming, making a big assumption that your purpose as a leader um, in your career is to help organizations to shift and create cultures of, of appreciation and where people feel valued throughout. Um, but I don't want to make that assumption. How would you define your purpose as a leader? My, my purpose is transforming the whole global conversation about how people relate to giving and receiving recognition and praise in our lives. Right. And that, that came and with the result of people that no one should go one day feeling like what they do doesn't matter mm-hmm. and that people feel valued at work and at home. And then we know what has us feel valued and we know what other people want and need to feel valued as well. And the reason why I do that, so my background is in actually in international conflict resolution. So I, I started my career actually facilitating dialogue. So I was the guy that got brought in to, you know, and started at summer camps that brought Israelis and Palestinians together and kids from Northern Ireland together. And then I worked internationally, you know, and you see it in the news a lot. If you see the conflict between Armenia and Azerbaijan, I spent a lot of time facilitating dialogues between people from either side of that conflict, probably the majority of my work there and folks from, from the Syrian conflict. And so I would be the one, the third party facilitator that'd be brought in with a couple facilitators from either side of the conflict to create a container in order for people to have civil conversation about some of the issues they're getting in the way from the two societies, you know, communicating more effectively, not on a societal level, but these were civil society people. And sometimes we'd do journalists and sometimes it'd be politicians as well, but it was more civil society. And I did that for several years. And in doing that, one year we had, you know, two of my coworkers, one from Armenia, one from Azerbaijan, this conflict that you're seeing in the news a lot lately, Mm -hmm. you know, we were running the program. And the challenge was, these are very intense 
environments. And the irony was we had a falling out after our first year's program. And it was so bad that we could barely be in the room together without getting into a fight. And we're conflict resolution specialists. And after trying every single thing that we possibly could to resolve those dynamics, the one thing that shifted, and I'm talking like everything, we went through like day-long retreats to try to work it out. And what changed that relationship when nothing else did was a 15-minute recognition activity. Hmm. But not recognition like, uh, Nicole, I recognize you for this. But more so asking the question, Nicole, what are you proud of? What do you want to be acknowledged for that we don't see? And by asking that question and hearing the answers and the things that came out, and one of the examples is there is my coworker from Jale, who's from Azerbaijan, asked her, what do you want to be acknowledged for? And it had been an extremely intense day in, in in the retreat. And she wouldn't answer the question. So I'm not doing this stupid stuff because I'm not doing this stupid American fluffy stuff, you know, whatever it is. But I was like, I'm not going to stop asking, right? We need to try something different. And when she finally answered, she goes, on the break today, the participants from Azerbaijan came up to me and told me I'm a traitor to my country for being here. Well, we had no clue that that had even happened. And she walked right back out in front of those people and kept on facilitating. And we acknowledge her for that. And we did the same thing with each of us. And what I realized in that is that in especially right now in the context of working virtually, I always joke in my workshops that 98.5%, which is a made up statistic percent of the time, we don't see what people are dealing with, what they're dealing with at home, what they're dealing with in their head, what's going on. And now inside this context, we see even less. We don't see what's going on when the camera's off, mm-hmm. what someone's dealing with a few minutes before, a few minutes afterwards. Unless we ask and we invite that person to share. So we hop on, we do our interviews, we do our conversations, we do our work together, and then we get off and we have no clue what's going on. So unless we ask people and invite people into a dialogue to be able to share that and care enough to listen, right, then we never see what they're dealing with. And that resentment, that frustration, and that anger builds up when we feel like we're contributing, when we feel like we're dealing with things that nobody else is seeing. And so I'm working on shifting how people think about recognition away from something that we do to others to something we do with others, mm, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Your background, Chris, is amazing. I, you. you know, I want to spend a few other podcasts talking to you about conflict and separating, Anytime. you know, <laughs> oh my gosh. And your skills are only just a little bit needed right now in the world. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. divisive world that we seem to be living in. Um, that's amazing. So tell me then, given your experience in particular over the past six months, and mm-hmm. I know you work with organizations around the world, what are you noticing in common from teams? What are teams craving for right now, given where we're at? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer it. Instead of saying what are teams craving, I'm going to say what individuals are what craving. What individuals and, are. And, and I think, and the reason why, the reason why I'm going to share what individuals are craving is because every single, we are all facing the same pandemic, which is a gift. It's the first time in history where everybody is facing the same threat at the same time, right? So there's an opportunity there for us to connect around something. The challenge is we're all facing that same threat from different circumstances. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's important for us to understand that. And I think what people are craving is for people to understand what we're dealing with and what it takes for us to deal with it each day, right? To understand that you're making that request at the 11th hour 
And where before I could have stayed in the office because I had childcare at home. Mm-hmm. When you make that request right now at the 11th hour for me to be able to do that, that means that somebody else in my household is going to be upset or have to pick up that slack. And that puts me oftentimes, if you've got kids at home, or maybe it means it puts somebody else, right? Hey, so if my wife's boss requests something, or I am my own boss, if I have to take on and agree to do something, that means that someone isn't available. And it means my daughter's plugged in a little bit longer to a computer. And if she stops watching, the whole system falls apart. And so I think more so, I mean, you can see it right now. I know this is, this is, we're not sharing the visual, but I have, I literally have a chair sitting up behind a desk because that's homeschool behind me. Right. Right. And so I think that what people are craving right now is to constantly be seen, understood and for leaders and for team members to understand what they're dealing with when the camera's off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we can't support people that we don't understand what they're dealing with. And to be safe, to be able to say, is like, oh my God, my life is a mess right now and I'm struggling, right? To be able to share that and to be able to be seen and understood in that. And so I think more than anything, people are craving being understood and being valued for what they're facing at home. And that includes leaders as well, right? Those 100%. Who lead, right? And, and, and we tend to forget <laughs> That, that leaders are people too, and they are experiencing, what? <laughs> I know, what? Um, the same challenges in different ways, right, that their team members are, but often feel they have to wear this armor um, and can't share um, to the same degree that their team members are, to their team members do or need to as well. And so given what people need right now, and I completely agree with you, What's a, what's a leader to do? Like the way in which we lead, just like the way in which we're working needs to shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so with the leaders that you're working with now, what are you seeing that they're, they're shifting and doing really well um, that is enabling um, this sense of better understanding of one another and, and valuing one another? What are leaders doing more now than maybe they were before? I think that I think a lot of the time that was spent getting to meetings has now freed up. And so I think that the leaders who are really grasping what's going on are staying present to the fact that they are not leading a remote team. They're leading a remote team in a pandemic. And that's Mm -hmm. a very important distinction. And remembering that everybody is still facing it, right? That that circumstance isn't going away, right? And it's only getting worse and it's, and it's going to keep on changing. And I, so I think the leaders that get it have not taken for granted because the longer you stay, it's like that, that frog in hot water, mm-hmm. right? You kind of forget that it's boiling and you get used to it. Like I remember, you know, I worked in a, in a wilderness therapy program a long time ago. And so I lived in the woods five days a week like 24 hours. And my car battery would die every single week. There must've been some light on it. But the truth was, by the time I got to the weekend, I did not want to spend a minute dealing with that car battery. But every weekend when I would get off my shift and I'd walk the mile out of the woods 
out to my car, my car would be dead. I have to go find somebody else's keys, bring it over, jumpstart the car. And so I would forget that I was dealing with the circumstance every week because I was just in it. Because the challenge is I didn't have the emotional capacity to be able to go and dress that thing because I was so burnt out at the end of the week that all I wanted to do was take a break. So I couldn't do those things. It was actually going to give me a longer break. And so I think the ones who are getting it right now. And so eventually, when I changed that battery, by the way, it took me literally one hour right. <laughs> to get the battery put it in. But I spent, I spent six months dealing with it, right? And so I think one of those things that leaders are getting right now is to remember that inside this context, right? We need to be doing that time to take care of ourselves and to shift our expectations and remember that there are no informal run-ins anymore when we're Mm -hmm. working virtually. There's no more informal run-ins. So now we have to create those intentionally and we have to create those informal run-ins that we used to have in the office that don't exist anymore, right? And so we need to do that. Like, And I think the leaders who are, are doing the best at this are conscious of it's my job to, first of all, take care of myself and say no to things. So I have time to be able to recover so that I do have the mental capacity to take care of my people as well. And my people being my employees, myself, and my family. Right, right. And so I think those are the things that those leaders are, one, just carving out that time. And they're intentionally thinking about what am I going to do to maintain those relationships now that we're in this context? That sense of, um, you know, leading with intention and on purpose, that's something I want to explore more when we get back around ways to be more intentional in how we create our relationships um, in this world. It's like you said, I love you're not we're not just leading remote teams. We're leading remote teams in a pandemic. Right. Um, and so how can we be more intentional? The time that we have with our team members is is valuable. It's gold. So how do we use that time to create meaningful conversation um, to truly understand what each other needs, where each other is at, um, and um, build trust and engagement and all that great stuff. So when we come back, we'll explore how to have those conversations. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Leading a team today can be hard, but it doesn't have to be a struggle. With Kenco's self-paced e-course, leading high-performance teams, you'll gain everything you need to build the cohesion, communication, and engagement needed for your team to thrive. Right now, save 30% off the e-course. Plus, Nicole, host of Leading on Purpose, is including two coaching sessions with her at no extra charge. Use promo code VA30 when you visit kand.co slash ecourse. That's promo code VA30. Would you like a complimentary strategy session with Leading on Purpose host Nicole Bendeley? Nicole and her team have been making it possible for leaders to achieve exceptional results with ease for over 40 years. Nicole will help you to discover what's getting in your team's way from even better results and will share with you the simple practices that will make a big difference to your performance and theirs. Visit kand.co slash strategy and book your session with Nicole today. That's kand.co slash strategy. 
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned into Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. Find out more about Nicole and her company, K&Co, and check out her suite of leadership tools and resources at kand.co. Now, back to Leading on Purpose. Hey, welcome back. All right, before we jump into talking all things meaningful conversations, want to really encourage you all, check out Chris's website, beyondthankyou.com. Um, that you can sign up for the newsletter and you can check out uh, a number of his virtual training sessions that he has available that uh, that are uh, that look really valuable. So please check that out and get your copy of the over 75 team building ex- exercises. Um, I think you can get that on Amazon or anywhere online. So please take a look at that. And so let's turn our attention to meaningful conversations. Chris, Help us understand from your perspective, what is a meaningful conversation? First of all, let's start there. What, how, did, how does a leader know whether they're having a meaningful conversation or not? That's a great question. And I think I'd answer with it if I hear an answer and I don't already know what the person's going to say, then I'm mm-hmm. having a meaningful conversation, right? I think, I think we often have a lot of repetitive conversations because we ask the same questions. Right. Think about with your parents, think about with your kids, think about, you know, in your life where you end up talking about the weather, you have those kind of standard conversations, like, where are you from? What do you do? You know, even, you know, prior to starting today, like, where are some of the places you've lived? And you and I connected, like, you lived in Haiti. I actually, I don't think I even told you, but I ended up going to Haiti. It was a life-changing experience for me to go there and see this other country that's so drastically different, that's less than an hour flight from Miami. Right. And I think that when we ask these questions and we hear an answer that has us go, oh, really? Or has me learn something or gets a window into somebody else's world, then maybe I'm having a meaningful conversation. If it's making me feel more connected to that other person or making me feel like I understand that other person or opening up actions to be able to support somebody in a way, then maybe I'm having a meaningful conversation. And those meaningful conversations are the result of asking intentional, and meaningful questions. And I think one of them right now that I absolutely love in this virtual world is when we get on a call, instead of just going, hey, how's everybody doing today? Instead, asking people right in the beginning, what were you doing five minutes before you joined this call? Because when you ask somebody what they were doing five minutes before the call, you get an instant window into what they're dealing with, mm-hmm. right? Because many of us are running so fast from one meeting to the next, they were going so quick. That nobody knows. Hey, it can look like you look in the background, and minus the 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 school that's okay. you know the my daughter's little chair in her art box and the piles of torn up papers and stuff like that that are in the back right now. Right, I'm just in my office, but you wouldn't have known that an hour before. I'm like I'm trying to. I got some people doing work, and I'm talking them to through a virtual doorbell, the ring system in my house that's in another country right now, and I'm managing that. <laughs> I'm receiving the, the gro- grocery deliveries and lunch wasn't made fast enough. So I had to change the thing that I had cooked on the oven. And then I had to be able to make it because my wife was really hangry from, you know, did not eating and I was late cooking lunch. I was doing that and getting my daughter plugged in. That's my reality. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm in Chile right now and there's a revolution possibly starting back up today. Yesterday burned a church in downtown, but you wouldn't know any of that stuff 
unless you asked and I felt safe to answer. And so I think that our opportunity as leaders, many people get so stressed out. I'm like, oh, I need to come up with some activity. Your activity many times may just be a question. Right. Right. And one of the things that I give in the book there and with the handouts that come with it as well is a list of 20 different questions that you can just ask in the beginning of your meetings. So in the book, I one of the other things I share is what I call the one six rule is that if we're going to be meeting virtually, right? People think like, oh, I don't have time to ask a question. Well, you know what? You do have time if you carve out and you do it right. So one of the okay. things that I recommend is I call it the one six rule, right? So for every hour of meeting time, one six of it should be devoted to relationship building. Mm-hmm. And for every two hours, 20 minutes. And for every three hours, no one should have a three hour meeting. So if you're doing that, you already have a problem. Right. right? Absolutely. <laughs> so we're not even going to go there. Yeah. So, but then also for every six meetings we have, one of them should be devoted purely to relationship building. Right. And that means if you're having a weekly meeting every six weeks, have one of them devoted just to a retreat. And I know you write for Forbes as well. And in my, if you go Google Chris Littlefield Forbes, one of the articles you'll find where is how to organize a virtual team retreat. Right. And I give a whole script on how to do it. And if you reach out to me at Chris at Beyond, thank you. I'll actually send you a link to a, a download that actually gives you a form to actually map out a retreat and you can plan it in under an hour. Awesome. Right. And then, yeah. And then gives you the activities and things to be able to do. But I think that people get overwhelmed yeah. to try to organize something. Instead, just pick a question and ask it. Like, you know what? We have Halloween coming up. And instead, some people are going to organize that. And I'll do an article this week on, you know, Halloween activity ideas virtually. But if not, just ask, what was your most creative costume when you were a kid? Or what was the funniest (laughs) Halloween costume you had? Or what is one Halloween memory you have? And people are like, well, if we let everybody answer, we're not going to have time for our meeting. So what I recommend leaders to do is write down the names. And I'm just holding it up to the camera right now. I have a bowl of, I just ran a retreat for an organization outside of DC. And they had 10 members on the team. And I took out pieces of paper with everybody's names on it. And what a leader can do is just put names of everybody on their team into one bowl and have another bowl. And each meeting, randomly pick one name. Oh, okay. I got Amanda today. I ask Amanda that a question. And then I put it into another bowl. I love I that idea. Oh, it's Robin. Put it, And then I know I've asked everybody a question. And then once I move the bowl from one side to the other, the next meeting, I pick randomly. Again. Genius. You know? Chris, you're genius. <laughs> I love it. I wrote it down. I'm going to do that. I love I've got it. a session tomorrow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use Perfect. this. I learned this from Chris Littlefield. Um, okay. So, so why? So, um, I mean, I, I've drunk the Kool-Aid. I, I'm completely bought into, of course, this is what I do as well. I, you know, I, I, I know the reasons why, but I'm going to play devil's advocate right now and put on the hat of a leader who's maybe in healthcare, uh, a healthcare leader who, whose staff are experiencing a second wave. Um, who are beyond stretched, uh, whether they're frontline or admin, you know, support. Um, why should why do I why should I be doing this during a pandemic when my team members are stretched? I barely have enough time to brush my teeth in the morning before I have to sit down at my computer and get through my long to do list. Why should I dedicate time to this and make it a priority? because it triggers the parasympathetic nervous system and arrest and recover and actually takes care of people in a way that will help them perform better and actually work better with each other. I think that's the simplest answer. But I think if we, yeah. if we think about it is that like, it doesn't matter how bad our day is, mm-hmm. right? 
And I'm actually working on an article. It's going to go up on Harvard Business Review this week on how to use gratitude to take care of ourselves and our mental health during a crisis. And I think that, you know, I've just had the articles up on my screen right now is that, you know, when we take time to express gratitude, when we connect with others, when we understand and we're empathetic towards others, it triggers that release of, ox of oxytocin in our brain and actually that, that builds and strengthens relationships, right? And so I think by taking that time to connect and people think it's so complicated to do, it's just like, and it's fascinating because the same reason why people don't recognize people is the same reason why people don't give feedback. And it's mm -hmm. the same reason why people also don't run an activity in their meetings. It's outcome uncertainty. Mm -hmm. I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know how you're going to yeah, react. Exactly. I don't know if I give you feedback, if you're going to yell at me and you're not going to like me anymore. If I give you a compliment, mm -hmm. I don't know if you're going to misinterpret it. If I do this activity, are you going to think I'm stupid? If I say, hey, let's get up and dance right now and nobody dances, that's going to be so uncomfortable. So I'm not going to do that. But it's those very moments where we create those invitations and people jump into them, right? Nobody wants to play a game usually when they're stressed out and burned out. Mm -hmm. But it's like working out. I never want to do it. I'm always happy I did it after I did it. That's right. Never right? regret doing it. Always regret not doing it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, like for me, like one example is that I got called in to do a retreat uh, over in Beirut, Lebanon for a, for a, a, a nonprofit organization. I lived My there for four years. Lebanese. My family's no. Lebanese. Yeah. No way. Yeah, Lebanon is there. in my heart and soul. In, in like, it, literally, our, we named her daughter Alia. Like, oh, I am beautiful. like that. I have never fallen in love with a country the way that I had it with Lebanon. And it's like, oh, an my father is smiling right now listening to you. Oh, my God. Where's he from in Lebanon? Tripoli. Oh, no. Tripoli is my favorite. It's like, Aww. the best Sahlab. My friend Tufik lives there. Like, I, uh, I love it. Eating fish right down on the corniche. It's, have you ever well, been? Hi to the Bendelies in Tripoli right now from both of us. Um, I haven't been since I'm a baby, since I was a baby. It's a little bit of a rough time yeah. to go right now. My last, trip is, before the, my last trip before the pandemic in January, I was in Beirut. And I was up oh, in wow. Jbel and stuff, which you drove by when you were there as a baby, but you won't remember it. But it is, you know, I, I live there and have some of my dearest friends in the world that are they're still there and it's been a rough, yeah. a rough year in many different ways. Um, but I was, I was going, what I was starting to say is that I was literally was flying and I was in the air to run a retreat for an organization with a hundred different uh, folks <coughs> running youth programs. And I was running there and we were going to run a senior management retreat followed by an all staff retreat. And that's what they hired me. I was flying back in from, from Chile to get there a 30 hour trip there. And I landed at the airport and the, the director was there at the airport. She's like, like almost in tears. I'm like, what's going on? She goes, I just found out that we didn't get our funding renewed and we're going to have to shut down the whole organization wow. in a couple months. And so I was like, okay, great. Let's see what we have to work for, like what we've got to do. And so we had already had the retreat location set up. And so we went down and we had day one. And after a couple of hours, right? They realized they had to shut down the organization in weeks, not months. So they were about to have to tell all of their staff that they didn't have jobs, right? When they thought they were coming to an all staff retreat and they said, okay, we're going to cancel that retreat right now. And then we're going to work through what we need to do to, to intentionally close this organization with grace, right? And inside of that, I have a picture that I often share in my workshops and it's of these folks playing rock, paper, scissors, world championships. If you've ever played this game before, it's a phenomenal oh, my large boys love game. This game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's yeah. amazing. 
So I'm playing this with them. And here we are on the coast of Lebanon. We're playing this at the same time. And we were taking a five minute break from closing down an organization. And we're laughing because we need that laughter. We need that play. We need that play to be able to shift out of the context of everything we're dealing with, to counter the stress, the uncertainty of it, right? And to put a little bit of that positive energy into our body, into our mind, because it helps us look at what we're dealing with in a different light. And that's not ignoring, because maybe like, I can't laugh right now. Sometimes you need to laugh. I remember the year that I lost my dad suddenly, right? To a brain aneurysm. And some people are like, well, why aren't you upset? I'm like, because right now I need to laugh. I need to laugh at the craziness that my dad just died. And yesterday he was alive. And that seems insane right now. And sometimes I want to cry and sometimes I want to laugh. And sometimes I don't want to think about it, but I need all of those emotions for me to get through what I'm dealing with right now. And so I think right now inside this pandemic, we need to be laughing some days, Mm -hmm. right? And in the book, I share some different games and activities. I'm not frozen, but you thought I was frozen for a second. (laughs) So one of the games inside of there, and you couldn't see, you couldn't see it, but you're, cause you're listening to this, but wait a second, where'd he go? Is one game you can simply play is just freeze mid screen and just make a joke out of the fact we're going to get frozen at some point in time, right? And have people guess whether you're frozen or not, right? But to bring a little play, a little bit of laughter into our interactions, because we need something that breaks us out of that monotony that we're dealing with. And we need to have some smiles that come from work and come from home because I don't know about you, but sure as hell, some days don't feel like, uh, don't make me want to smile. No, that's very true. But you just made me smile and also gave me a heart attack. I thought I lost you for a second. You know, you just, I, I, the stories that you just shared, I feel really gives leaders who may have been on the fence or fearful of the out, unknown outcome, right? permission to give it a try let's 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 shift a little bit in the just take the one six rule for example or one meeting every every six meetings to focus on relationships to check in to have some fun or just to better understand where each other is at and where we'd like to go or try something different um and like you said, it's it's for our health and well-being, not just for performance as well. Um, so in, in, in our so health ahead, and well-being, sorry. just to add on, our health and well-being is at the heart of our performance. It is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I came across this quote in one of your Forbes articles that I really loved. And it's somebody else's quote that you quoted. Yeah. Um, Mark. Mark, Mark Golston, is that how I pronounce his name? Yeah. Author Golston, of the yeah. book, Just Listen, which is now another book I'm going to need to get. Um, and he says, it is less important what we say to others than what we empower others to say to us. So can you build on that and maybe share an example as to how leaders can incorporate that philosophy into their conversations with their staff? Yeah, 100%. And Mark Mark has been a mentor of mine for a long time. And, and if you go on to, if you search Chris Littlefield on YouTube, early on um, in the heart of kind of like the big wave in New York, I actually reached out to him. And I know that a lot of your listeners work in the healthcare field. And so I wanted to understand from Mark is a psychologist. I always get psychologists and psychiatrists mixed yeah. up. Um, but he's been he's been working in the mental health field and he's an extraordinary human being. And I interviewed him for an hour about what can organizations and leaders do to take care of their people. And we talk about post-pandemic PTSD, 
which is something that we're going to be dealing with for years to come. And there's a great recording in there. And I can send you the link to put into the show notes um, for that episode because it's a phenomenal interview. Um, but I think, you know, what, you know, to, to reframe Mark's, Mark's quote, like it's less important what we say to others than what we empower others to say to us. I think one of the biggest mistakes that leaders make, and I think it's often a sign of a rookie leader, is that my job is to be inspiring, right? to say inspiring things, to do inspiring things. You know, I'm holding up the screen right now. So in my workshops, when I run my art of day-to-day recognition feedback, I just give leaders these cards. These are my handouts. It's five little business cards with just questions on them. And reminder that my job is literally as a leader is to ask you, what are you dealing with? And then listen, not fix it. Just listen. And how freeing is that as well, right? This The difference between having this responsibility or this belief that I need to fix everything and I need to be so inspiring that people yeah. are going to follow my word, everything I say. What a relief to know that that's yes. not your job. <laughs> and the biggest thing you can do is just listen. I've been in part of the, I do all the, all the, qualitative, quantitative, all the qualitative interviews for a best place to work study. I get those two words confused every time I say them. And so for the last, last three years, I'm going to be doing it in a couple of weeks. Um, this year is the top 10 best place to work in the advertising industry. And so I've interviewed the CEOs of the top 10 organizations the last few years. And every time the commonality among all of them is what I call a valued employee mindset is all of them understand that at the heart of our success as an organization is ensuring our people feel valued every day. And the way to be able to do that is to constantly find ways to ask questions and listen and empower the voices of people from every area level of the organization. And all they do is they create opportunities. That ping pong table that when they were in the office was not about playing ping pong. It was about having it in place where they could run into somebody and ask questions and create an experience together. The right. reason why they had that town hall of those beers out was to be able to go out and listen to employees in a safe space, right? It was the intention was, hey, here's what we're doing is we're going out and we're going to be here. And this is an opportunity for me to ask a question and to be able to listen, right? And so to be able to do that, all you have to do as a leader is just ask. And in that article, I just did informed. So what are the three questions leaders should be asking their people right now? And the three questions would be, how has life gotten harder for you? How has it gotten easier for you? And what are you proud of right now? I know we're coming up to a break in a second right here. I just saw that. So those are three questions that leaders can ask and just listen to people's answers. And they're going to get an amazing amount of insights to be authentically, be able to authentically connect with their people. Oh, thank you, Chris. Those three questions um, I'd like to come back to as we also explore after break that the different types of appreciation, I think you had mentioned that yeah. we can, we can cultivate within our organization. So right after break, talk to you in a minute. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Would you like a complimentary strategy session with Leading on Purpose host Nicole Bendeley? Nicole and her team have been making it possible for leaders to achieve exceptional results with ease for over 40 years. Nicole will help you to discover what's getting in your team's way from even better results and will share with you the simple practices that will make a big difference to your performance and theirs. Visit kand.co slash strategy and book your session with Nicole today. 
That's K-A-N-D dot C-O slash strategy. Leading a team today can be hard, but it doesn't have to be a struggle. With Kenco's self-paced e-course, leading high-performance teams, you'll gain everything you need to build the cohesion, communication, and engagement needed for your team to thrive. Right now, save 30% off the e-course. Plus, Nicole, host of Leading on Purpose, is including two coaching sessions with her at no extra charge. Use promo code VA30 when you visit kand.co slash ecourse. That's promo code VA30. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are tuned into Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. Find out more about Nicole and her company, K&Co, and check out her suite of leadership tools and resources at kand.co. Now, back to Leading on Purpose. All right. Welcome back. Let's start talking about, in more detail, recognition. And I came across this other quote, and Chris you know, you, like you, I love stories and, and I love quotes. And, and this was another quote that I just came across today. Um, and it says, brains like heart go where they are appreciated. And it's a quote by Robert McNamara. And I noticed on your, re- on your website that your research has found that the number one thing people associate with being recognized is feeling valued. And you point out that the problem is that nearly 70% of people associate embarrassment and, and discomfort with the process and so avoid it altogether. So, so tell us about recognition um, mm-hmm. and the different pieces of it or, or how we can cultivate it in different ways. Mm-hmm. So in the, in the beginning, I told you the story about with my coworkers and, and Jale and the one who asked the question. So after that happened and I saw how that little activity like completely transformed my relationship and nothing else worked, I was just blown away by this. And I'm like, yeah, I understood that recognition is important, but I wanted to understand why don't people do it? Why, if I know I should tell people that I appreciate them, why don't I? Why is it that um, I know that I should express to people that I appreciate them staying late and coming in? Don't I share that? Why do I sometimes get uncomfortable when people recognize me? And so after that, I was living in Boston at the time. And so I went home and, and by the way, you can't live off of conflict resolution. So you have to have another job to be able to do it. <laughs> so I worked as an internal job coach at Children's Hospital Boston uh, in a workforce development initiative. And so on my commute every day, I was on two trains in Boston. I would never do it on the way in the morning because nobody was awake. But on the way home, I interviewed one person a day about the role of recognition at work. And so Very I would turn cool. to whoever was next to me and I would just interview them. I'd say, hey, what do you, what do you associate? What's the best acknowledgement you've ever received from a boss or supervisor? And that would be my, my lead in. And after people realized I wasn't hitting on them or trying to join a cult or something like that, people just opened up and shared. And I started to see this pattern that I love recognition, but it makes me so uncomfortable. And I would just hear story and story and story of, I'm, it makes me uncomfortable. I get embarrassed. I worried when someone recognizes me, they won't be able to produce the result next time. Someone says, this was a really great podcast. Well, what if the next one sucks? And, or what if I can't deliver something next time? And there was so much misconception and confusion and self-doubt around recognition that 
when I was asking this question, I just uncovered this hidden, what I call the hidden relationship to giving and receiving recognition. And, you know, then I did a, I did a survey and I found the number one thing people associate, I give them about 20 different things with being recognized, no matter how many times I asked it, the number one thing was feeling valued. But I also found that nearly 70% of people, and the truth is, I would put this number much higher, but less people are aware that they're uncomfortable with being recognized. But 70% also associate, also, and it's very important, it's not one associate being valued and then 70% associate um, embarrassment but also associate embarrassment as comfort and it's emotional ambivalence. We have strong emotions in two different directions with the same thing, right? It's like your mother-in-law, right? But it's like you have that association of like, hey, I really feel valued and I really want to be recognized. But at the same time, I don't want to stand out because if people recognize me and then other people think I don't deserve it, I'm going to get alienated. I'm going to get excluded by it. And so our relationship to recognition is extremely complicated. And it's complicated in the same way that being a human being is complicated because we want to be included, but we also want to stand out. We want to be valued for our work, but what has us feel valued is different. And one manager may say, hey, you know what? I really need to be seen. I need verbal praise. And you may know the five languages of appreciation from Paul White um, and other ones. And it's like we all have our preferences, of course, but it's also understanding that everybody has different needs. And everybody, what has people feel appreciated and valued is a little bit different, but also knowing that not everybody feels comfortable being praised the same way. Mm -hmm. So this is the the challenges. When I start to talk about this, I want to go into sharing every single thing in my research, my studies at the same moment. It all just flows in. I can see and hear and feel the passion, Chris. Keep going. So, So I think that the big thing to understand is that when I, when I work with people, no one's going to ever hire me to train people to accept compliments. But the truth is, that's really at the heart of when we want to treat a, create a culture of appreciation in our organizations, it starts with training people to receive first. Because the real challenge is when we're uncomfortable receiving, we're often uncomfortable giving, right? So I spend my time training people to, to, to receive first. They don't know that's what I'm doing, but that's the majority of time I'm doing. So I'll ask people in the beginning of my workshops, I said, okay, I want you to turn to the person next to you and I want you to I do this virtually now as well. And I'll put people into breakout rooms within one other person said, ask the person, okay, what do you want to be acknowledged for? And people squirm in their seats, going so trained not to talk about it. But I do that because I'll find that people don't realize that it makes them uncomfortable mm-hmm. until you put them in the context. Like I interviewed the CEO and her employee when I was doing my original interviews and they were sitting next to each other in a coffee shop. And I asked her, I said, it's in my, in my surveys and in my research, I found that people, many people are uncomfortable recognition, don't realize it. No problem accepting compliments. Her employee was sitting right next to her, turned to her and goes, you are really great accepting compliments. The other day, the CEO recognized you and she was gracious accepting it. It makes me so uncomfortable. No joke. The senior leader who was right there goes, I'm not that good. Uh-huh. And so she diverted the compliment, yeah. right? Right when she said, I have no problem doing that. We don't even realize that we do this, right? But when you ask people and you ask, what are you proud of? We're often hesitant to share because we've learned to not talk about ourselves, right? It's inappropriate. Mm-hmm. It's boasting. It's being egotistical, right? right? I don't want to be that narcissist that we sometimes see in the news these days. Um, we're not going to mention names. Just, some, yeah, um, just sometimes we all know. Yeah. Some, just sometimes, just right? Once or twice. I can't, it, it, it kills me because that was my example for years and now I can't use it because <laughs> it's, it's a triggering name, right? But that idea about that and understanding that accepting a compliment Right? is the first stage is learning to accept a compliment by just saying, 
Thank you. Thank you. Somebody shares it. And what people don't realize is that when someone's recognizing us, that recognition in its standard form is more about the giver than it is about the receiver. When I'm sharing to Nicole how much I appreciate to her for having me on her, on her podcast, on her show today, I'm sharing how what she did impacted me, right? And it's actually more about me having the opportunity to share that other than you being able to receive it. Does that make sense? Because I'm sharing a gift with you and you may disagree with it and may not find it as meaningful, but it's me offering a gift. And just like someone offering us purple socks and maybe don't really want them, you just say thank you. And if it's meaningful, you let the other person know. And so when someone offers us a compliment, offers us praise, offers us a congratulations, we just simply say thank you and realize that it's many times about them, not about us. And when it is meaningful, we let them know how much we appreciate that gift. Right. And then when it comes to giving it, right, giving it is also an art form that none of us have been trained in, right? Most times in organizations, right? And I love it because there's a real shift that's starting to happen now. And I'm seeing it because people are reaching out and saying, you know, one organization, First Choice Health out in Seattle, just we're launching an employee recognition platform. And I love it because the leader came out and said, it's great, we're going to launch this, but we also want to train people how to do this in the day-to-day form and not just in the right. rewards and awards side of thing. Because many times people collapse recognition with rewards and awards where recognition, mm-hmm. right? Where rewards and awards, um, sorry, now I'm getting caught in my own words, where rewards and awards aren't necessarily the same things. Rewards and awards are a delivery tool for a message, but they're not always the same thing, right? And so when I think of recognition, right? I break it out into a spectrum of things, right? Which starts at, and if you were to think of a triangle here, the base of that triangle, and I invert the triangle because we always do Maslow's triangles and the most important thing at the top. And people often put rewards and awards at the top where they really are the smallest portion of our relationship. And so I break it down to appreciate the person, acknowledge circumstances, recognize effort and progress, reward results, and mm-hmm. award standout results, mm-hmm. right? And to break each one of those to talk about that. And at the heart of it, of our relationship is appreciating the person. And that's sharing the person. We appreciate you for showing up on the call today when you have everything else you're dealing with. I appreciate you being here and being able to get that report done. And it may not be extraordinary they got that report done, but the fact that they got that report done with three kids at home doing homeschool and dealing with everything they're dealing with, that's extraordinary. So appreciating the person, acknowledging the circumstances that people are working in. You know, you're up in Canada. Thanks for coming in when there's three feet of snow outside today. Or thanks for coming in when it's 200 degrees outside and we're cooking, right? You know, everything like that, acknowledging the circumstances, acknowledging, you know, you have a lot of folks that, that are in the healthcare field. Thanks for coming in when you being here puts yourself and your family at risk to bring COVID home. Right. Thank you for the sacrifice your family is making for you to show up. Thanks for working when we're understaffed and you're underpaid and probably no one's going to admit that they're underpaying their people, but we know we are many times. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. But acknowledging those circumstances and showing people we see and understand that you're doing work in a circumstance that isn't very realistic sometimes. Right. And the more we can acknowledge that, the more we build trust with people because they understand we see what they're dealing with. Okay. And then recognizing effort and progress. Okay. And that recognizing effort and progress is that people don't rarely want to be recognized for the result they produce. They want to be recognized for the process that led to that result. 
the sacrifices they made, the work they went through. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I were talking about we're both people that, you know, develop, write articles and content. And man, people may love the outcome, but getting those articles out and creating <laughs> that content is a head game every time. I don't want to do it. The amount of peanut butter that I go through <laughs> to be able to get to that article being finished, right? No. Is it's a, such a head game. For me, so it's, it's rarely do people yeah. who, would you say cookies, cookies? for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not allowed to have cookies in the house. They have no (laughs) self-control. So the only thing that's left is a peanut butter jar sometimes. Um, But I think when we ask those questions, hey, what did it take for you to do that? What do you want to be acknowledged for? What are you proud of? It gives an opportunity for us to see, for that employee to share what it took to produce that result. And it also gets them present to what it took for them to produce that result. So how did you get that report done? How did you write that article? How did you, how are you able to get that done with everything you're dealing with at home? When we ask those questions, we show them that we see the circumstances they're working in, right? If it's, if it's for the folks who are working in healthcare, hey, how are you able to deal with that patient when nobody else was able to get through to them? Mm-hmm. How are you able to be able to cover 17 different um, people as a nurse when we we're understaffed that day? How are you able to do that? And how are you still smiling? Tell yeah. me what you're doing because I want to learn. And like, I'm only smiling on the outside. You're going to say something. Go <laughs> well, ahead. Well, it's so powerful what you're saying, Chris, because that question, genuinely um, asking the question and genuinely being interested in the how and the process, their experience, shows so much appreciation for that purpose, for that per- person yeah. without calling them out in a traditional way of showing appreciation in a much more powerful way because you're learning in the process, they're learning in the process and feeling good about sharing their experience, hopefully, or feeling valued and that you care, right? That you care. Um, oh man, I can talk about this all day with you, Chris. We are, we've only got a couple of minutes before we wrap. So I want to leave with one question. For if, What should leaders walk away from this podcast with? If it's one message, one key learning to walk away with, what what would you hope they walk away with? Show your care by taking time to care, right? Mm -hmm. And I think by simply investing five minutes of your virtual meeting, five minutes of your one-on-one, calling randomly to check in, right? When you take, when you invest those two or three minutes, ask somebody how they're doing, and listen, you will have a huge impact on your organization, on your organization's results and your culture. And you'll build and maintain an organization where people feel valued every day. And that will translate into results for your customers, your clients, your patients, and everybody else. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much. Um, Oh, I I really, really enjoyed our conversation and, and I learned so much from you. Thank you. So to learn more about Chris and to check out his his uh, virtual training programs and you get to see all of his the cards that you get, right? And and he can use the uh, taking names from a hat. He've got he's got a lot of great exercises to be able to use not only that, but maybe you'd like your team members to learn how to um, accept and be open to recognition and appreciation. Um, So check out his website, beyondthankyou.com, and please pick up a copy of his book, Over 75 Team Building 
um, activities. And I know you can find that on Amazon. And please check out our website as well, kand.co, and feel free to book a complimentary strategy session with me at kand.co slash strategy. I look forward to chatting again next week. Um, I hope you all tune in and have a fantastic week. Take good care. Thank you for joining us this week. Please tune in again for another edition of Leading on Purpose with your host, Nicole Bendeley, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a wonderful week. Oh,